Right, welcome everyone. So we're glad you're here. I'm Delight and I'm joined with Wendy. Unfortunately, August is thanks just because you have a baby. You can exactly. like exactly. <laughs> I mean, seriously, it's been like what two weeks at least like, yeah, two and a half. Yeah. Like whatever <laughs> <laughs> we've, I mean, it's, this is not a, what we learned episode, but we were learning this morning that we really need her here. <laughs> We don't know how to run the mics. We don't know how to take the pictures. She's very needed. <laughs> I don't know if Wendy she, agrees or not. But she's shaking her head. I do agree. I didn't even know like how to figure the mics out. So. Yep. But she'll be back. Yes. Today we have Rebecca Zare with us, and I'm excited to see what we get chatting about. Thanks for being here, Rebecca. <laughs> Thanks for having me. This is great. Welcome to It's a Good Day Podcast. We are three friends who love to laugh and believe that through Jesus, even the tough seasons are good. You never know what will happen on our show, but we hope you will join us as we find the good in every day. Tell us a little bit about you. Um, I'm 22. I uh, am half Guatemalan, half North American, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, I've been, uh, I grew up traveling around the world a lot. Uh, my dad's a U.S. diplomat, and so he worked at different U.S. embassies and consulates around the world. So I have never lived anywhere longer than like three and a half or four years. And the last place that I lived was in Amsterdam in the Netherlands. I was a missionary there for three years and uh, I absolutely loved it. I didn't want to leave, but I felt God calling me to come back to the U.S. So I came back, um, when did I come back? Two months ago, about two months ago now, and have been back in America uh, to see my sister who's living here now and just to reconnect with family and friends from the area. This is one of the few places in the world that I yeah, I feel like I can really call home, even though I've never really lived here um, through my dad who grew up here. I just, yeah, I love it here and I love visiting. So um, what else? Did I say I was 22? I think I did. Mm -hmm. I'm single, ready to mingle. <laughs> <laughs> so if you have any really nice brothers or nephews or anything, yeah. you know. Send them my way. Just <laughs> tag Rebecca on Instagram. And <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's, uh, I think, yeah, all about me. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Uh, it's like already very interesting, mm -hmm. you know, to live so many different places and experience a lot of different things. I think immediately it's like, wow, that sounds really fun. But then it also follows up with, I'm sure it has its own unique challenges mm -hmm. as far as being away from family maybe mm -hmm. or not knowing, you know, having to reestablish deeper connections each yeah. time you move and that kind yeah. of thing. So yeah, we'd love to hear more. Tell us about deciding that you're going to go to LA. Like where did that, how did you know that that's what God was saying? Yeah. So I was in Amsterdam. Um, I had a two year commitment with the organization I was with called Youth with a Mission. Um, and 
my commitment was coming to an end. So I had, I was praying about what God wanted me to do next, if I was meant to stay or go. And at that point, he started bringing up Los Angeles kind of all over the place in really random ways. Like anytime I was out walking or biking, which we do a lot in the Netherlands, biking down the street, um, anytime I was praying, I would see LA or Los Angeles pop up like on people's shirts or in on literal billboards or hats or I would hear someone like mention it in the street and so it just started popping up a lot to the point that I thought okay I don't think this is a coincidence anymore um I so I started praying a lot more into it and it just got clearer and clearer that more stuff was coming up and my heart was um initially kind of opposed to the idea of moving to LA and I think that's what um made it a bit of a yeah, where I felt a little bit hesitant to say like, oh, I'm moving there um, because I, I really am into the arts. I'm a performing artist, so uh, did a lot of dance growing up and really love acting and theater and all of that. And so I didn't want to be just another like young woman being like, I'm going to move to L.A. and be an actress because, um, yeah, I was kind of opposed to that idea. But when when God started being very persistent in it. I realized like, okay, I should, I should uh, pray more about this, get some advice on it. Um, so it came to the point where I decided like, okay, I'm just going to decide I'm moving to LA. And if I'm not meant to do that, then God will make that abundantly clear. And um, I just realized that a lot of times, me personally, and what I kind of see in the world around me is that people will, are looking for this like, audible voice from heaven or they're looking for this like confirmation after confirmation instead of trusting that God is good enough that if you're moving in one direction because that's what you feel he's saying even if you're not sure you just move in that direction and if you're not meant to do that he'll tell you like he'll be very um, obvious about it and so I decided like okay I'm just going to start moving that direction um, yeah and and see see if he stops me kind of thing um, at that point through a series of events, I did feel like I was meant to stay in Amsterdam for one more year um, and continue working with, with the art school that I was working with. So I decided like, okay, I'll stay for one more year. So I was in Amsterdam for a total of three years, but I always knew that LA was in my future. Um, the thing is, I had no idea why I was moving there. And I still feel like I'm going out there in December, but I don't necessarily know, oh, this is what I'm going to be doing there. Um, I just feel like something, yeah, one of the things that I felt God saying is I was praying about it and, and I just felt like God was saying, I'm doing something in this city, do you want to be a part of it? So it was kind of not a command of you have to move here, but it was an invitation of like, hey, do you want to be part of something really exciting that I'm doing? So I was like, heck yes, I, I do want to be a part of it. Um, so yeah, that, that is kind of all the information that I have so far was, um, yeah, just feeling like he is preparing to move in the city. Not that he hasn't been or that he hasn't been there before, but I just feel like God is um, raising up more Christian artists, but not only Christian artists, but real disciples of Jesus, um, you know, that aren't content with just going to church on Sunday and yeah, they believe in Jesus, they're going to heaven, that's great, but real disciples that are willing to lay down everything for the gospel and that are, um, yeah, people that are in all or nothing with Jesus. Um, yeah, so I feel like that's part of what I will be a part of in, in Los Angeles.
That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's very cool. Yeah, I think that that's really true what you said of, as far as we need to a lot of times just step out and go for mm-hmm. it. And God does reveal when it's not the right thing. And I feel like in my life, I walk, I use, I do that a lot, like mm-hmm. in lots of different ways. And yeah, I think that there's, I think there's a lot to be said just for that trusting. Like, okay, mm-hmm. God, mm-hmm. like I'm trusting you even though I don't really have direction. Yeah. Because wouldn't it be nice if it was just, you know, yes. writ- written out exactly, oh, you're going to go here and then this and then, yeah. and then that. But I think that that's awesome. I mean, I think it takes faith to say, this is where I'm going, but I really have no idea why. <laughs> yeah. Because I feel like it's easier in a sense to trust in a word that you've received from God than your relationship with God. Mm-hmm. So like, yes, there's, Um, there's something to be said for, you know, you've received a a word from God or a dream or something and that helps follow like the direction or yeah, it kind of helps lead the direction of your life. But sometimes it's easy to be like, okay, I received this word and now, and then you kind of, it's easy to get disconnected from God in a way instead of knowing this is a relationship where we walk together day after day. And if I feel like this is something you're saying, you can, I will trust that in our relationship, in our day to day, you will reveal yourself to me if it's something I'm not meant to do instead of just being like, okay, I received my marching orders. And so now I'm going off and not having that daily reconnection of like, Hey, okay, what's next? What's new? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So have you, I want to, I want to hear more about just the arts and your passion for that and where, where that came where that came in kind of, but can we back up further to where did you meet the Lord? Like where did God become who he is in your life and how did that happen? Yeah. Um, I was raised in a Christian family. Um, incredible mom, incredible dad. Yeah. That have and continue to set a really great example to me. Uh, so I don't remember there being a time where I didn't know of Jesus where I didn't know him. I do remember when I was 11, uh, we were living in El Salvador at the time. I, I remember, I think it was New Year's Eve. I rededicated my life to Jesus. Um, and that was one of those defining points. I think everyone has like multiple points in their life where it's like, okay, this was kind of one of those turning points, um, that Jesus was just very real to me. But I think that the biggest, uh, one of the biggest revelations that I ever had about God was that I always knew that he was there. Um, but I had mentioned earlier, yeah, because of the moving around, because of the um, always changing, it felt like nothing in my life was constant. Everything was always changing. And one of the biggest revelations that I had about God was that he you know, there is no shadow of turning with him, that he remains the same forever. And even though there's always new stuff to learn about him, so there's sides that maybe we haven't seen before that we can discover, it's not that he's different or that he's changing. Mm -hmm. And um, when I was, I think, 15, we were living in Istanbul in Turkey at the time. Um, It was an extremely challenging move because of... um, I was 13 when we moved there, so everything kind of sucks when you're 13 anyways. Um, and I wasn't, I wasn't aware of the spiritual atmosphere that was in a city like Turkey or, or a city like Istanbul. Um, 
And so all of these challenges and, um, and depression and things like that started settling in and I didn't know why or what was happening or, or, um, or any of that. And, um, during that time I was constantly living in the future. I was constantly thinking, Oh, when can I go visit New York again? When can I see my friends again? When can I do this? Um, and I was reading a book by C.S. Lewis, who is my absolute favorite author, um, called Mere Christianity. And while I was reading this book, I had a, a like divine revelation that, um, that this, wor- this world is temporal. So this world is always changing, but we are seated in heavenly places. And ultimately heaven is our home where we have a God and a father and a, a brother and a friend who never changes. And so for me, moving and change and all of that was to me, I thought I had like the worst life. I really, I really didn't like it. Um, but at that point when I was able to relate, um, moving to being a blessing of, oh, I actually, my life is so much richer for the friendships that I've had and um, the the places that I've gotten to experience, the different cultures and all of that, um, then my perspective completely shifted. And I feel like that's what, that's what God does and that's what he did in my life was he took the way that I saw something and he said, with me, you have a new lens, you have a new worldview to see the world by. So what you thought was a curse is actually kind of a, is actually a blessing. Um, and after that, it was still, it was still hard to leave. It's still hard to say bye to people, but I was able to see it as, um, like that quote from Winnie the Pooh, like, oh, or I think Piglet says it, like how, how lucky I am to have something that makes saying good bar, good bar, <laughs> makes saying goodbye so hard. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so it was, it all came about because of this revelation that God is constant, that my true home, my eternal home is constant. So, you know, what does it matter if stuff here is changing and evolving and, you know, the, my home is constantly changing and all of that. Um, yeah. So just seeing God as that, um, faithful, steadfast, um, loving God that he is. Yeah. And it's just cool how you needed you needed that in your life mm-hmm. because of mm-hmm. because of things things changing and yeah. from what you said and what I know you know your parents mm-hmm. I'm sure were also good examples yeah. of that yeah that as well but I love when when we do have a perspective shift when there is something that we're like oh and then you just kind of have it like mm-hmm. okay I get I get that now yeah. like I get that whole different mindset that realizing that oh this is what heaven is like and someday we're going to be mm-hmm. there and we can yeah. we can start to live in that mindset yeah now so at what point did you like kind of separate like leave from your parents and mm-hmm. then now they weren't in Amsterdam with you no correct yeah. and now you're moving different places so at what point did you kind of like come out from under like it seems like you yeah. grew up in that. <laughs> yeah. You came out from under yeah. what they were doing. Yeah. They've continued to move. Yeah. And now you're doing the same yeah. thing, but not because they're making yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. Venture off into the great unknown um, <laughs> that is adulthood. Yes. Um, yeah. So when I was 17, let's see. No, I was 18. No. Okay. I graduated high school when I was 17. We were living in Ciudad Juarez, Mexico at the time. Um, and I was continuing to live there with my, with my parents, 
going to university. Um, and then when I was 18, I decided, well, my mom kind of convinced me, and then I decided, like, oh, yeah, this is a good idea, <laughs> um, to go do a discipleship training school with Youth with a Mission. It's a six-month training program. Um, my mom really wanted me to do it because she thought it would be really good for me. I didn't want to because my heart was set on studying um, theater in university. So I thought, oh, it kind of felt like I had to decide between doing this discipleship school and pursuing God or like going to university and, and following the arts. And now it seems like such a silly, like how was that even, you know, a hard decision to make? But at the time it just felt like, yeah, it felt like a big decision. But um, I started looking up different, they call it DTS, Discipleship Training School. I started looking up different schools around the world and I found one that focused on the arts. So it focused on discipleship, it focused on missions and on the arts. And that was in Amsterdam. So cool. Um, so when I found this, I was like, okay, mom, I guess I'm doing a DTS now. So when I was 18, I, I went to the school. It was six months. It absolutely changed my life. Um, it was one of those uh, major perspective shifters that uh, I just saw myself in a brand new way. I saw God in a brand new way. And that, I think the only way I can describe it is when, when you've been raised as a Christian, it's very easy to think like, oh yeah, I'm a Christian because I grew up in a Christian home. And um, yeah, for me, when I did my DTS, my faith really became my own and not my parents' faith. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's good to be you know, grateful for the family that you can be raised in. But um, I think that I really needed that separation to be able to know that, yeah, the God that I believe in is, is the God that I believe in and not because of what my, um, not just because, oh, my parents believe in that, so I have to as well. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was a pretty, yeah, distinctive moment for me. Um, after that, it was six months. I came back to Washington DC where my parents were living then and lived with them for one year. Um, during that year, my dad was studying Hebrew to go, uh, move to Tel Aviv and work at the embassy there. Um, and so I had to decide, okay, do I stay in the U S after they leave? Do I move with them to Israel? Do I move somewhere else in America? What, what do I want to do? And ever since I'd left Amsterdam, it had really been in my heart to um, go back to the city. I, it's a beautiful city. I love the organization YWAM. Um, yeah, so it had always been in my heart, but I just had felt before like it wasn't the right timing. But when I prayed about it again, a couple months before my parents uh, moved to Israel, um, I felt like God was giving me a choice. Like you can stay in the U.S., you can go to Amsterdam. I will, I will bless the decision you make, as long as your heart is is after me and not after you know, just having an adventure or after whatever other things that you know could appeal to me. Um, so I decided, okay, I guess I'm moving to Amsterdam. So when I was 19, um, I raised all my support. I you know sent him an application, all of that kind of stuff. And I moved, yeah, I moved to Amsterdam in September of 2016. Um, so it was quite a big move because it was the first, I mean, I had left for six months, but it was moving back to Amsterdam was the first like, okay, I'm actually leaving my home. I'm moving somewhere else on my own. Um, so that was quite a big transition. But uh, since I had been there before, I, I knew quite a few people in the city. I knew like the community that I was going to be connected with. Um, 
And this yeah. time, what were you going to do? Like you said, you fill out oh, an application. Yeah. Like what was that? Yeah. So I was going to uh, be a staff member of the okay. discipleship training school that okay. I had. I was like a student the year before. And so I came back to staff the school. Okay. Um, yeah. And then I did that for two years. And then um, when I felt like I needed to stay for one more year was uh, one of the big reasons was that they needed someone to lead the school then because there was a lot of transition happening. Um and there was just, yeah, I, I felt like there was a lot for me to learn uh, in that role. And so, like, God would be able to use that to um, disciple me in that sense. And I also just so believe in the discipleship training school and specifically having one that focuses on the arts um, that I was like, okay, I, d I don't want this to end. So, um, yeah, I'll stay to help it kind of continue on. Um, yeah, so that's what I was doing. I was working with the DTS for the, the last three years. Yeah. That's very awesome. cool. <laughs> yeah, so that last year, then you took on that role of leading the yeah. this program? Yeah, yeah. so it was me and um, I had five, was it five? One, two, three. Yeah, five uh, staff members under me. Two of them I'd worked with before, like we had staff together, so they had a lot of experience and stuff, which was really helpful. And then three of them were first year staff, um, which we had so much fun and I absolutely loved it. Um, but yeah, it was, it was one of the more, if not most challenging things that I've ever done in my life. Um, mm. It was a lot of work and responsibility and um, yeah, blood, sweat and tears, but, but absolutely worth it mm -hmm. in the end. So um, you talked about your love for the arts. Mm -hmm. So what... It sounds like that is something that you're passionate about, mm -hmm. but what exactly is it that you're passionate? Like what brings you joy? Yeah. Um, for me personally, my, I guess my favorite form of art is performing arts. So um, dance, music, except I don't play any instruments, but I enjoy singing in my car and in the shower. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but specifically with acting as well as writing, um, so my, I would say that my passion is storytelling and that can cover a lot of different grounds. Um, you know, you can tell a story through a painting, you can tell a story through acting, you can tell a story through photography, all that kind of stuff. But, um, one of the biggest, one of the biggest struggles that I had as, cause I would say growing up, I considered myself. I don't know if I would have said this, but I would have considered myself first an artist and, and then a Christian in a sense, um, especially since my, I guess I could say like first passion in a way was acting. I always wondered like, okay, I can understand how you can glorify God through beautiful photography or through beautiful paintings or by writing Christian music, but I didn't understand how you could be an actress that brought glory to God. Like I just didn't see how that connected. And it was when I was a student during my DTS that I was reading the Bible and, and it just hit me. I'm sure it was Holy Spirit. It just hit me that, oh, but Jesus was a storyteller. Like that was his, that was the, the first way that he ministered to people was through telling stories. And so, and I just remember having this like little voice in my head of like, oh, Jesus was an actor. That's cool. Okay. Um, so my, that's where my passion really grew into something that wasn't just like, oh, because for me, the especially with live theater, that's what I've done more than like any sort of film or anything. But um, 
it was just a lot of fun. I just loved it. I love the feeling when you're standing behind the curtain right before the curtain goes up and just that whole feeling of being on stage. I just love it. And it, it brings me to life. Um, but when I, when I saw that, okay, Jesus used acting in a sense, or he used stories in order to communicate truths. That's, that's when my mind kind of said like, okay, I want to do that too. Because there's, there's something about the arts um, and storytelling that can communicate something that is true to a person without it feeling like it's being shoved down their throat. And so there was something about, um, yeah, just, just the way that it's possible to um, communicate not only in beauty, which I think that art is, is beautiful, um, and not only in just something that people can say like, oh, wow, it's something that captures the attention. And I don't know, I kind of saw, I just saw art as a way for people to kind of ingest the truth without, without being able to put up the defenses of like, oh, you're preaching scripture to me or, oh, you're, you're just trying to like, you know, hit me over the head with the Bible. Um, they're able to learn biblical truths in a way that doesn't feel, um, what's the word? It doesn't feel threatening to them, I guess. And so once I started seeing art in that way is when I, um, yeah, realized like, okay, I want to do more with the arts. And in complete honesty, over the last three years, I haven't done nearly as much as I would want to um, because, you know, being busy with, with the school and stuff. But my, my hope in that was that um, I was able to train up other people to be able, you know, with the same passion for the arts and God um, that I had. So, yeah, I'm curious to see how that will look like in L.A. because it is a very artistic city. Um, and the more that I've seen, you know, there are a lot of Christian artists coming up. And, um, yeah, I'm curious what that will look like. But, um, yeah, I would say that. First and foremost, I'm passionate about storytelling and telling good stories um, about truth and who the person of truth is. What is your favorite like thing that you've done in the art world, like role you've played or? Oh, that's a good question. Oh, that's such a good question. Um, I. It's hard to pick a favorite, but one of the most, um, one of the things that I remember the most was uh, a piece that I wrote myself, because um, that, that's always been a struggle for me, and it still is. Like, if you're a musician, it's easy to, like, if you play the guitar, you just go and you play the guitar, and that's how you can express your um, artistic self. But as an actress, you need you need content to act out. Right. And there's, there's not, yeah, I was finding it hard during my DTS, like, okay, how do I find content to act that is good, but is also full of, you know, what I was talking about of like, um, communicating truth and all that stuff. And so, um, I felt very challenged during that time by God to start writing my own pieces. And so there was a piece that I wrote, uh, during my DTS that was, very challenging to write and made me feel very vulnerable, but um, 
being able to first write it and feel like I was partnering with God in that mm -hmm. and then perform it for my, you know, my class or my fellow students. Um, that was really special to me, being able to do that in a very safe environment where the response that I got was, was very much of like encouragement and, um, yeah, with just a lot of encouragement that made me feel like, okay, I want to do more of this. And so I would say that that, that specifically was really special to me because that was when I discovered that I really loved writing as well. Um, so not only the acting side, but the but writing stories uh, was also something that got me very excited. And so, yeah, that's it was just a short, like, 30-second monologue that I had written and that I, I only performed it for, um, for people at the base. Um, yeah, that was four years ago now. Um, so it wasn't like a big show or anything, a big musical or anything like we, that. We have 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I don't know if I remember it. <laughs> um, but yeah, but that was, cool. that was really special to me. Seeing like, oh, I can write my own material and mm. also perform it. And that one specifically was such a, was so much in partnership with God. And mm -hmm. so that was really special to me. That's really cool. What do you think about, I feel like the arts sometimes are so separate, like mm -hmm. either like I'm a Christian, mm -hmm. I'm a Christian artist or actor or yeah. whatever, or I'm not. Yeah. And I believe so much that we should have way more mm -hmm. crossover. Yeah. Like, I think that I wish it, I wish the lines were a lot more a lot more blurry, yeah. but I feel like when there's maybe somebody who is a Christian and then they do something that's doesn't say Jesus every other word, mm -hmm. then the Christians <laughs> get all upset, <laughs> you know, but then yeah. also it feels like a good place to talk about Kanye a yeah. little bit. Like, yeah. I feel like then someone who it wasn't a Christian yeah. or wasn't, and then they're suddenly saying that. Yeah. I feel like Christians are all annoyed about that. Yeah. Like, no, there's no way. And I'm like, come on, people. Like, yes. So what do you think about that? Yes. Oh, boy. I have so many thoughts. <laughs> Good. Um, I think the first thing that I would say, especially when it comes to, yeah, what you were saying about, like, kind of the divide between, like, even Christian art and then secular art is, oh, I wish I could remember it fully, but um, it just popped up on my Facebook newsfeed something that I posted years ago was a quote by, I don't even remember his name, but it was from this book. And the gist of it is that truth is truth. You don't have like yeah. Christian truth and then that's like the secular truth. Or it was more specifically about like, you don't have, oh, this is secular art, so it can't possibly speak truth. It has to be made by a Christian. Like mm -hmm. God is the God of the universe, so he can speak through anyone that he wants. And I can say that there's, you know, I've I've sat in my room and sobbed to Katy Perry song, you know, about unconditional love, m sometimes more than to a worship song that I've heard. Or, you know, mm -hmm. like truth can be communicated through anyone. And it is, I think it's dangerous if as believers, we, we limit ourselves to only receiving truth from someone that has the title of Christian, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I agree because yeah. I think that we can tend to idolize people anyway. Yes. Because humans, yeah. that's what we do. And yeah. so, like, I don't think we should idolize someone who's not a believer, yeah. but I also yeah. don't think we should idolize a believer because yeah. then what happens when that believer 
falls mm-hmm. in some way right. or another, yeah. we're like, don't know what to do. Yes. Right. Like, we yeah, don't no. know how to like, right. oh my goodness. Yeah. Because I think that we're, we are supposed to follow Jesus. Yes. Right. Not yeah. <laughs> any of these other people, you know, like they might Such be good point, yeah. doing good, you know, like they might be a good pastor mm-hmm. or worship leader or whatever. And that's fine. And you can follow their ministry mm-hmm. and appreciate it. But Jesus is the only one that we yeah. should be actually yeah. You know, following yeah. like big F yeah. <laughs> Right. Because when we're following when we're following those people and then they do fall or they mm-hmm. they come out with a belief that we don't believe, mm-hmm. that you don't believe, and then you suddenly discount like everything that they've said yeah. and you're questioning everything, but it's because we're looking to that person mm-hmm. to speak truth rather than mm-hmm. looking to Jesus and mm-hmm. then yeah, he uses he uses everyone yeah. and what they say. Yeah. Um, can mean a lot and yeah. it's yeah and it's why it's why we need holy spirit because yeah. you know jesus is truth and i think that with holy spirit we we as we're growing we have the discernment to know you know from a secular movie or something of like you know what that that whole imagery of um this, I don't know, like father-son relationship really speaks to me about, you know, God as the God who calls out to the prodigal son and and different stuff like that. I think that there's so much art out there that with Holy Spirit, he speaks kingdom truths to us. And, And yes, I do agree, you know, you shouldn't just watch or listen or read absolutely whatever because I think Holy Spirit does give discernment of like, oh, you know what, that's not so healthy or different things like that. But yeah, I just think that anyone can speak truth and yeah and as people with a kingdom mindset i would hope and what i i do see happening um with believers is them being more open-minded to oh yeah i can hear truth from outlets that i wouldn't have expected to hear truth from um yeah 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 like the bible talks a lot about what we what we put in and what we listen to mm-hmm, and all those mm-hmm. things. So yeah, I'm not saying we should just listen to absolutely everything, <laughs> yeah. you know, but I think that we, we need to put that Holy Spirit lens over top of yes. anything. Ooh, that's good. With, whether like it has that. the yeah. Christian label or not. Yeah. Like yeah. I don't, I don't want to just say, Oh, this is in the Christian category. Yeah. So it's all good. That's yeah. not the case yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. Like, right. And if, yeah. And if we're following, um, the voice of the Holy Spirit in our lives, like we can be convicted of something differently mm-hmm. than a fellow yeah. Christian mm-hmm. yeah. friend. Where it's so true. if we're just watching others and and listening to what they're saying as truth mm-hmm. rather than the Holy Spirit in our yeah. lives, you know, like yeah. the Holy Spirit knows what may not be good for us mm-hmm. to to watch or mm-hmm. listen or yeah. Yeah. Which sometimes I would get frustrated about because I I'm a very like planned person. I I honestly love following rules. So sometimes mm-hmm. I'm like, God, it would just be so much easier if if there was just a list of like, right. don't do this, <laughs> don't do this, don't do this. Like, you know, if if it was more clear in that sense. Um, but yeah, again, just that revelation that if if that were the case, then there would be no then there would be no need for a relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And the entire reason that Jesus came to die for our sins and that he rose again. Yes, it was to, so that we could be saved, but it was so that we could be in relationship with God mm-hmm. and with our, yeah, with our father. And so if, 
if there was just this list of like, okay, this is what you can do, this is what you can't do, and it's the same for every person on the planet, then what would be the use of having that personal relationship, that relationship with Holy Spirit that convicts people differently sometimes? And <laughs> I do believe that there are things in the Bible that right. are black and white, like yeah. murdering someone is wrong. <laughs> Not murdering people is good, you know? Like there's, there is that stuff that, that is very clear, right. but I think that there's so much what people would call the gray area mm-hmm. because it has to come from relationship Yes. You know, with God and, and listening and living with Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you had asked about Kanye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what do you think? I, I am absolutely blown away by, by all of that. Um, by his profession of faith, by just the way that God works. I, I truly see it as a modern day Paul type conversion. And, um, I know that he is not perfect. And I've listened to a few of his interviews, um, talking about his faith and talking about his music and stuff. And, you know, you still hear some stuff that you're like, Oh, that's pretty, (laughs) not that it's like blasphemy, but you're just like, Oh, that's, that's an interesting point of view on things, you know, and stuff like that. But the way that I see it is in acts, I think it's acts seven. No, I think that's wrong. I don't know. It's somewhere in the book of Acts when Paul, you know, meets Jesus and meets the Lord and is converted. He wants to go and connect with the other disciples and with the other people that also now share his faith. And they won't accept him because they're terrified. They're, you know, to me, I'm like, I don't judge them too harshly because I would probably think the same thing of Mm -hmm. like, you were just murdering us. So this is obviously a trick in order for you to find us kind of thing. Right. And the only person at least according to scripture that, that I see, the only person that reaches out to Paul is Barnabas, whose name means the son of encouragement. And it was only through Barnabas that Paul was accepted as one of the brothers right. and as, you know, as a preacher of the gospel and all of this. And um, so when I think of that in relation to what's happening with Kanye, I just say, Lord, please make me a Barnabas. Like, please right. make me someone that doesn't, that doesn't judge based on someone's past and doesn't judge based on what I think is possible but that leaves, leaves the, the matter of the heart to Jesus and Holy mm-hmm. Spirit to convict things. Um, because I imagine that a lot of people have come to know who Jesus is and probably have fallen away because of the way that the church wouldn't embrace mm-hmm. them. Right. And sometimes I have to wonder what would have happened to Paul and what would have happened to the majority of the New Testament if Barnabas had not accepted right. Paul, you know, like... God probably could have used someone else, but, but it just makes me think like, okay, I think God is raising up a body of believers that are like Barnabas that, you know what? Part of me is like, who cares if, if Kanye is legit or not? Who cares if he's making this album just to get into like the Christian sphere of music or whatever other stuff people are saying? I'm like, right. He's proclaiming cares? the name of Jesus. Yes. Like, <laughs> I, I yeah. feel like I would rather... Like, I would rather look foolish because yes. I, like, because I believed or embraced because someone who it someone. didn't turn out yes. exactly Ooh, the way good. it appeared. Yeah. Like, yeah. I would rather that and be the one, yeah, who mm-hmm. extended a hand and loved mm-hmm. rather yes. than be the one who, like, yep, yeah, I knew it, yes. another one. You yes. know, like, right. no, yes. that's yes. not Jesus, that's so you know? Good. So, right. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Do you know about that, Wendy? No. About him? No. You know who that is? Yes. (laughs) 
Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how to. But that's, that's, wow. That's such a good way of putting it. Yeah. I would rather be told, I told you so by someone that, you know, believed it wasn't legit. Right. Because I was what? Loving someone that right. God loves. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. That's good. That's fun. I think there's been other recently, I feel like in the last couple of years, mm-hmm. even other, maybe somebody who is a believer and then they say something mm-hmm. that is people don't like or whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, but yeah, I'm not perfect either. Like, I don't know yeah. where we <laughs> think that yeah. we can tell someone else that yeah. they're, they're wrong, you know? Yeah. Right. I don't know. I think some certain parts of it get tricky. Like, cause I think, I think that we, sometimes we major on like, no, like we, it's okay. Like I'm thinking about the word judging. Like, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking like, it's not that we're never supposed to judge or never supposed to like make a judgment call. But yeah. I think that we focus so much on that when we need to embrace the other side. Mm-hmm. Like, I think we need a whole lot more of the loving and accepting yes. side yeah. <laughs> and we get it a little me- mixed mm-hmm. up, I think. And Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just think it's not the way. Yeah. And I, yeah, I like that a lot. That's a really good example about as far as Paul, yeah. because yeah, I'd yeah. Be, I would have been skeptical. I'm yeah. sure. Yeah. And feel and felt fearful mm-hmm. and all of that. And yeah, praise the Lord. We need people that are going to. Yeah. It all comes well. down to wanting to be more like Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and we, I heard this from a friend of mine that I think he got from an author or something. So I, I fortunately can't quote who said this, but <laughs> he, he was basically saying we only, there are only two motivating factors on any decision we ever make. It's either out of fear or out of love. And I think too many Christians, myself included, I'm, I'm scared of a lot of things like spiders and the dark and all that kind of stuff. But I think too many of my decisions are made out of fear rather than you know, these, these disciples in, in the New Testament, in Acts, they were deciding out of fear that, oh, if we reach out to Paul, he's going to come and kill us. And granted, that's a pretty legitimate fear. Like, those are not the stakes in my life right now. Of like, oh, <laughs> right. I love this person. They're going to kill me. Like, which is a blessing. But, but just really wanting to, in, in any way that I treat people, in any way that I um, communicate or the things that I say, no, okay, am I doing this out of fear, out of love? And I would rather err on the side of too much love than err on the side of too much judgment. <laughs> right. Yep. I love it. So let's go back to move your next move and tell us about that. So like you're just going, you have no plan, you have no really. Okay. So um, without, you have no solid direction. What is the first thing you'll do? Like, you're going to go to L.A., yeah. and then what? And then what do I do? Right. Um, yes. The only thing that I know <laughs> as of right now is that I'm going to connect with this church called Expression 58. And it was one of the things that was a confirming point for me when I was deciding to move to L.A. Um, I was sharing with a friend and just telling her about like, yeah, I feel like this is what God is saying. And she told me, oh, you should look at this church, Expression 58, listen to their podcast. I love them. So I started looking it up. Um, 
looked up their website, all this stuff. And um, it just, com I was reading it and I just felt my heart leaping inside of me because it combined all the things that I love. Um, it focuses on art, on discipleship and on justice. Um, and so that's kind of what I knew from the beginning when I had first decided, like, I'm moving to LA, I knew, okay, I'm going to visit this church. I don't know why, because I'm sure there's, and I've even heard of, you know, different friends telling me, oh, look up this church in LA, look up this church. But I just felt like, okay, this is probably my community, um, which was huge to me because I knew if I'm going to be moving, I told God, I will move anywhere in the world if you will give me community. I think that that is one of the most underestimated powers or like kingdom things that we have here on this earth is fellow believers and Christian community around us. Mm -hmm. um, and since I had such a solid community in Amsterdam, I knew, okay, if I leave here, I better have a solid community somewhere else because it will be extremely challenging, you know, to leave this environment. And uh, so when I found Expression 58, I didn't know anybody there. I didn't know like anything about the church, but was just reading about it. And I listened to their podcasts and I just felt like, okay, this is going to be my community. This will be my new family out in LA. Um, so that's kind of the first thing that I'll do, I guess, is go to church. <laughs> um, yeah, the good thing is through, through their Facebook page, I emailed the church. I joined their Facebook page. Um, I found a girl that is subletting her apartment in LA. So I now have an apartment, which is really good. Um, I don't want yes, to live on the streets. That's <laughs> so, <good> thing. <laughs> yeah. So I found an apartment that I'll move into the beginning of December after I leave Tulsa. Um, and again, it's cool that it's just a connection from the church already. So I feel like I'm already getting to know the community a little bit. Um, yeah, I'll go to that church. I'll go out looking for jobs. Um, and that's kind of it. Um, oh, yeah. the One of the words or things that has come up in why I'm moving to LA has to do with discipleship. I think that um, we're coming into a time where being a believer in Jesus Christ is almost not enough, not in the sense of like, oh, it's not enough, you won't go to heaven, but but not enough for believers. Like I, I, I sense this hunger in people for the more that God talks about mm -hmm. in the scripture, the, the more that Jesus says, you know, you will do greater things than this. Um, and I think a huge part of that is discipleship, that it's not just about, oh, I believe that, that Jesus died for my sins and he rose again, so I'm a Christian now. But this discipleship of like, I see Jesus as a, as a person that I want to follow, you know, and do anything he asks of me kind of thing. Um, and the last three years, I was working in a discipleship training school, which, you know, was training up students. But through all of it, I felt like I was a person being the most discipled. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and so I feel like in L.A., God is kind of asking me to take everything that I've learned about discipleship within a certain context, which was, you know, the context in YWAM, um, and take all of that discipleship stuff, take it to L.A., and start seeing what discipleship looks like in a more organic um, way. So it not just being like, okay, you can only get discipled if you go away for six months to this school, but just seeing like, okay, what does discipleship look like in day-to-day -day life? And, you know, if you're working as a waitress or if you're working in this um, 
I don't know, whatever other normal jobs people have, um, just seeing what discipleship looks like there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because I feel like that's the, the shift that is happening, that it's not only... Um, we've moved past the point of people just praying a prayer and then living life and then that's just kind of it. But I think we've moved into a time where people are hungry to see miracles and to see healings mm-hmm. and to yeah. receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit and you know, actually live the way that the scripture says that we can live. Yeah. yeah. I kind of forget what the question was, but maybe that (laughs) answered it. Yeah, I think it just like, just like, what are you going to do? You know, how are you going to find your next step or Mm. whatever? Yeah. Do you, I know you said it wasn't the point of moving there, but do you have any desire like, of, to do some acting or any of that? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, this is this is where I would decide out of fear, out of love. Right. I would say yes. No, I do say yes. I would want to say no out of fear. I think that there... I think everyone in the world feels like this at some point, but I see it obviously a lot in artists of just that feeling of like, but what if I'm not good enough? What if I'm actually terrible at this and no one you know had the decency to tell me kind of thing right um so originally when i decided to move out there i was like no no no. acting has nothing to do with it i'm not gonna do anything with it but then the more that i thought about it the more i felt convicted you know by holy spirit of like are you just afraid to even try are you just afraid to go to auditions because you don't want to be rejected yeah and i was like yeah yeah that's it (laughs) that's why i don't want to do it um so I don't, I, I genuinely don't feel like God is calling me necessarily to like, oh, the acting world, that is where you're going to be. That is like, that's your everything kind of thing. But I do feel, but I do know that I love it. And I do know that it gives me energy and it makes mm-hmm. me come to life, um, when I am part of artistic projects. And so, um, I think that I will become involved in one way or another, um, and just not be so scared of like rejection and right. all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that rejection doesn't define us if mm. we don't, you mm-hmm. know, if we don't let it. If we let if it we not, don't let it, yeah. it won't, you know, and yeah, we can, we can keep going. But yeah, I mean, I feel like you heard her here first, ladies and gentlemen. Like <laughs> if she's famous. <laughs> right. It, yeah. It's Probably, a good day podcast. We might be a catalyst. Yeah, yeah. To you know. <laughs> yep. I love it. I promise I'll come back and do a, a guest guest show if I become famous. Okay, yeah, great. We'll have to have you sign yeah. sign on that for sure. Set, set, up, set up the contract now. <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, what else? What else did you not tell us about that we should know? I wonder, like, if you have anything to say about, like, I loved how you described that time of realizing that Jesus was a storyteller mm. and that he can actually mm-hmm. use your passion to bring truth to people. Yeah. Do you have anything to say to someone who may be passionate about something, mm. but they're at that place where they're like, yeah, yes, this brings yeah. me life, but how could God use this? Yeah. You know, like he uses Bible studies or yeah. like, you know, the church things, but how can he use this small passion over here yeah. to bring him glory? What if somebody is at that, at that place where they're passionate about something, it brings them life, mm. 
but they're feeling like God couldn't use yeah. that. Yeah. Um, two thoughts come to mind. And the first one just has to do with knowing how big God is and knowing that his bigness, that seems like a funny word, his like greatness is unknowable in the fact that as, you know, as Christians, as we come to look more like Jesus, it doesn't mean that, oh, we look more like Jesus, so we look more like one another. But the, it almost seems like the more we look like Jesus, the more we look unique and different from one another. And so it's something that you hear a lot and that I heard a lot, but I never truly believed that like, okay, God has created me uniquely, so I don't have to have the same gifts. I don't have to have the same talents. I don't have to have the same dreams as other people do. You know, it's not more holy to feel called to be a pastor than to feel called to be a video game designer. Um, and so I think that a lot of the reason that we feel this way of like, oh, how could God use this is that we, we don't necessarily, I don't know that many people truly, truly believe that the way that God has made them, the gifts that God has given them is, is the way that he intended to, in a mm -hmm. sense. So that you don't have to um, go to Bible school. You don't have to do these like, or that there's, that there's not some professions that are more holy than others. Mm -hmm. Holiness is the way that God has called us to be. It has nothing to do with like what your profession is necessarily. Um, that being said, I think that uh, for me, a huge thing that has helped me in that journey has been with the people that I surround myself with. So I was extremely lucky to be living and working in a, you know, in this mission space that there was a lot of different type of creative people. So a lot of creativity were, um, uh, was happening in the YM Amsterdam base. And um, one example comes to mind of a friend of mine that uh, he is creating a video game. He's a video game designer. Um, it's not like for a Christian audience or anything. He just is passionate about design and he's incredibly intelligent and, you know, all of that. And so he was sharing with me like, oh, this is the video game. This is the storyline of it. And I was listening to it and it was all about, you know, how darkness was. I feel like I'm going to butcher it, butcher it. So if you're listening to this, Joshua, I'm sorry, but it was basically about like how darkness is infesting things and how this one carrier of light comes in and brings light to others. Like that was kind of the gist of it, like darkness and light and realizing that, okay, this is a story that people around the world will be able to relate to whether they know who Jesus is or not. So I was able to see multiple examples of things that I wouldn't have thought like, oh, look how this video game designer brings so much glory to God. But he mm -hmm. did because of the story that he was telling. And um, so I would say to someone that, that kind of struggles of like, okay, how, how can I use this to bring glory to God? How, how do I make this, you know, something that is a vessel of truth or whatever it is? I would say two things. Sir, like find other, if it's in the arts, find other artists who are believers if it's in business, find other businessmen that are believers and just surround yourself with people that are like you or have similar passions and see the way that they do it. 
that would be one thing. But in, the second thing is, it sounds kind of cliche, but just to spend time praying about it because God will reveal it to you if you're if you're asking Him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there's a big, you know, God is always faithful, but there is a big difference between genuinely searching for an answer and complaining to God about the way that He made you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I feel like I was asking God this question of like, I, I truly don't understand how I'm supposed to, you know, glorify you with acting. And now it seems like the most natural, you know, thing in the world. Like it makes so much sense to me right. now. Yeah. So for anyone that's asking that question, mm-hmm. just, just ask God to show you how. Um, for me, it had to do with saying, okay, Jesus is a storyteller. Um, for, for someone who's into business or engineering or whatever it is, it could look very different. But I think God is so faithful to reveal that mm-hmm. to each person in the way that they need to hear it. And in, um, yeah, kind of in the, in the packaging that they need in a sense. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we have one more question for you. Mm-hmm. What's good about today? Oh, that's a good question. Honestly, I would say specifically today, after this, I'm going to hang out with my friend Brielle, and she is an example of the faithfulness of God. Um, At the very beginning, I was talking about things constantly changing and how difficult that can be because every human, whether you move country every year, every person has changed in their lives. Um, God is so faithful to give us things that are constant, and she has been a constant friend in my life. She has been one of my best friends since I was eight years old. And yeah, an example, like one of those earthly examples to me of what our heavenly father is like in, in that there, within change happening, there are some things he gives us that don't change, like friends and love and family and things like that. Um, so I think that that's a good thing, hanging out with Brielle. <laughs> awesome. Love it. Well... We really appreciate you coming and talking with us today. It was wicked fun and went really fast. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I'm excited to see what God is going to continue to do in your life and with your story. And yeah, I think it's going to be good. I love yeah. it. It was so encouraging. I loved it. Thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, it was so fun. <laughs> sure. you guys. All right. Well, have a good day. Have a good day. <laughs> <laughs>